every time you do a trailer read, you have to be like, nope, this is how it's supposed to sound. This is what it is. If you don't like it, screw you, but this is what it is. <laughs> Getting feedback from someone, choosing not to take it personally, is actually very freeing. Mm -hmm. And I find for me that I do the worst when I'm trying to give somebody what they want. It's like the modern version of the, the two people inside of a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Times are changing, we want different voices, we want different races, we want more female voices. I think it's a beautiful thing and I'm actually just super excited to be part of the world of voiceover today. And there is something about the strength in numbers that has been really emboldening. We lie on the floor flopping around like a, like a fish for 45 minutes. We work in isolation booths. So if we, want, if we don't want to be isolated, we should leave those booths. Never think, uh, I hope he asks me to be, I hope he pitches me to whoever they really, like if you think that way, then they're mm -hmm. not really your friends or peers and you're just trying to use yeah. people. Yeah. She pilots my meat suit. I've only heard really bad things about Jamie. Right. Well, yeah, that know, makes sense. That makes sense. You gotta watch the bridge, though. <laughs> Instead of trying to figure out how to get into it, I just brought a bunch of people together that none of us knew the industry. Stop wiping expectations on any audition. It's never give up and be the most persistent person in the room. It's always those that are the last ones standing. You're going to get a lot more no's than you get yeses, and I, that's true for me today. Hello, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Now, today we are talking about direct marketing. It's a very specific wing of the marketing promotional branding world, uh, so we've devoted a whole episode to it. Now, we're joined by someone who knows a huge amount about that. It is Tom Deere, based in New York. Pretty much most people are familiar with Tom and uh, everything that he gets up to. He's a voice talent and a coach, and he's uh, very prolific on the scene. Uh, he's got a good blog and a great website, so check him out. Now, a couple of quick notices before we get into the interview. I want to thank everyone who's got in contact about VO School Launch. Now, this is something I announced on the previous episode of the podcast. This is a series of 15 lessons, one-to-one, -one, that get you started in voiceover, basically. Over 15 lessons, we cover absolutely everything you need to know to get started, and it's a really good way to uh, start up in the industry. So uh, if you want to find out more about that, go to voschoollaunch.com. Now, also, we are almost at capacity, but we have a couple more tickets left for the Vocation Conference, which is coming up in September. That is a conference devoted entirely to the business of voiceover, so very relevant to what we're talking about today. So that's everything to do with marketing and the business side, but also uh, working with agents and managers and websites and the tax and business side of operating your company as a voice actor and a ton of other things too. So if you want to find out more about that, go to vocationconference.com. Okay. We're going to have a quick ad, and then we're going to get into our interview with Tom. As a voice actor in 2019, you're more than just an actor. You are a business. The first ever conference for the business of voiceover is coming to New York City, September 13th through 15th. Amazing speakers, panels, and classes, all in the greatest city in the world. Vocation NYC. Ticket sales start April 1st. Be one of the first 100 to register and get a special early bird conference rate. For more information, visit vocationconference.com. Vocation NYC. Take your VO business to the next level. The National Zoo. Because sometimes you just need to stroke a llama. Instagram. 
Download it and start embarrassing your teenagers today. Resolve spot and stain. Because the dog's gonna drag his butt on the carpet. He just is. Engage the droid army with this Lego Star Wars Republic fighter tank. Hi, it's J. Michael Collins. And these are just a few examples of the first-class demos my team and I are producing. If you'd like to have something similar, visit jmcvoiceover.com and click on the Demo Production tab to find out more. I'm cool with that. Okay, ready when you are. And coffee slurps are welcome as well. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my own Slurpee coffee. Oh, right. lovely. Okay, shall we start now? <laughs> yeah. Talking about Let's. Slurpee coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. let's do it. So today I am joined by the Slurpee Tom Deere. <laughs> uh, and we're talking about <laughs> direct marketing. So hello, Tom. Hello, Jamie. Thanks for having me back. Oh, it's a pleasure. Yeah, so you were on previously with Rob and we were talking about business and legal stuff and all that kind of fun business and it was fun yeah it was um but today we're drilling down a little bit and we're talking about direct marketing um so before we get there um the the majority of this i think is going to be audience questions because we've got a whole bunch of really good questions um but before we get there i just want to set the scene a little bit for what it is and who you are so why don't you give a little rundown about who you are and what you do okay uh my name is tom deer i am a uh, 20 oh geez 23 24 year uh, voiceover narrator. I started doing this and uh, did my first voiceover in 96. I went full time in 2005. So, yes, I've been doing this for a little while. I specialize in non broadcast voiceover work, e learning, corporate, industrial, explainers, the occasional medical. And I do once in a while, I do commercials and video games and cartoons. Um, and I do a, a, a decent chunk of audiobook work. Um, I'm also known as the VO strategist. I am a voiceover business and marketing consultant. So I try to teach um, all the things that I wish I knew in the 90s and the beginning of the 21st century when I was uh, finding my way through the voiceover business. Yeah. Everything from time management to workflow, uh, how to file your taxes, cost benefit analysis, all that grown up stuff that you didn't know you needed to know and do when you get into the voiceover business and avoid <laughs> and avoid if possible. And I also do uh, demo production coaching. Specifically, I, uh, I coach e-learning and explainer uh, video demo production. So if you want to learn more about that, just go to vostrategist.com. Okay, brilliant. Okay, so why don't you define what direct marketing is before we get into it? Okay, um, I'm going to rewind just a smidge. How do you book a voiceover? Um, well, there's a couple of different ways. Um, I like to call the the different ways that you can book voiceovers portals. Here's me. Here's Coca-Cola, the end client. What is it that connects me to that end client? Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola Band-Aids, an audiobook, e-learning uh, company, whatever. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that there are three major portals that connect you to the end client. Number one is representation, agents, managers, and casting directors who don't directly represent you, but they often advocate for you and recommend you uh, to agents and end and, and clients. Uh, the second one is online casting sites. There are ones that are free, um, such as uh, voice booking. Uh, for example, and then there's ones that are not free, are subscription-based, also known as pay-to-play sites. Um, yeah. And there's a bunch of those out there like Badalgo and voiceovers.com. And then the third one is uh, that portal between you and the end client is the clients, the production companies, the recording studios, the audiobook publishers, the uh, advertising agencies. How do you 
uh, and how do you market yourself to those? Well, the one that you would do direct marketing to would often be the production companies. You directly, for lack of a better term, solicit them and um, use various tactics and campaigns and strategies to um, establish a relationship, keep them top, keep you top of mind with them, and then hopefully eventually they will bring you on for a voiceover project. So direct mm -hmm. marketing is um, you uh, going through an effort to develop, nurture, and sustain a meaningful relationship with a client or an end client. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So who should be doing it then? You mentioned the different portals. If you're working in certain genres and not others, is it something that everyone, regardless of the work that they do, everyone should be doing it? I think it's safe to say that Academy Award winning actors and actresses are actively and aggressively marketing, marketing themselves every single day. Yeah. Because they are going on interviews like Natalie Portman did with you, for example. <laughs> when she did that, that was yeah. her marketing herself. Is that safe to say? Yeah. Yeah. A absolutely. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You want, you know, a movie star wants to keep top of mind with the, with the audience in between the movies that they're making and leading up to a, a, a movie that's about to be released. So, yes, you should be marketing yourself actively and thoughtfully to as many of those portals as possible uh, and reconciling that with, and this is a very important point, Jamie, what does success look like for you specifically as you? Not, I want to make a lot of money by talking. Okay, that's great. But yeah. I always say vague goals get you vague results, specific goals get you specific results. Figure out exactly what success looks like to you when it comes to cash flow, when it comes to genres and when it comes to logistics, what do you want your life to be like? How much do you want to record from home? How much do you want to record on the road? Do you need to move? You know, if you want to do cartoons or video games, you may want to realistically consider moving to LA because that's where most of the action is, stuff mm. like that. So figure out, so your direct marketing will, will be a direct uh, um, result of you figuring out what does success look like for you as a voice talent. Some voice talents need agents to be successful the way they want to be successful. Some voice talents don't need agents to be successful the way they want to be successful. You don't need agents to book uh, an audiobook. That's usually not uh, a realm, a genre that uh, agents work in. Mm. Um, but if you want to do Class A national commercials where one gig will pay your kid's college tuition, then yes, you will need an agent, for example. And so... What differentiates direct marketing then? Because you were talking about how celebrities are constantly marketing. So right at the top of the pyramid there, all the way down to people just starting out. But what differentiates direct marketing from just promoting? It's, well, there's a lot of, okay, well, the first thing I'll say is that there's a lot of um, nebulousness. I don't know if that's a word. Not everybody <laughs> can agree on what, mar what the definition of marketing is or what okay. the practical application of marketing is. That's why so many voice talents uh, struggle with it because they don't know what it is, what it means, or how to do it on a, a realistic day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. I always say marketing is the, um, the development of meaningful relationships with clients. So if mm. you're a moving st movie star, your clients in some ways are the audience. Yeah. and um, the producers and the directors and the academy. I mean, award ceremonies are marketing tools, right? That's pretty much all they're meant for. They're meant to yeah. recognize, I mean, yes, they're meant to recognize excellence in a respective industry, and that's absolutely true. And, you know, everyone's work should be celebrated within an industry, but don't let anyone tell you that it isn't a marketing 
tactic. It totally is a marketing tactic. Yeah. Particularly when they put Academy Award winner, blah, 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 in front of everything that they promote subsequently. <laughs> right. Because that's that's also a part of their branding. You yeah. know, you brand yourself as a comedic actor or an action star or an indie film, you know, a uh, dramatic actor. But you also brand yourself as an Academy Award winning actor or actress or editor or producer or what have yeah. you. So is, is uh, I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, is direct marketing uh, you having a personal connection with one-to-one or can it be one-to-many? Um, that's a good question. Uh, before we started, we were talking about uh, CRMs, contact, uh, contact management software, yeah. and how difficult it is to try to maintain meaningful relationships with potential uh, and existing and you know inactive clients. Mm. So trying to cast the wide net, you know, like the newsletter, um, they're not as effective as they used to be. Um, I always try to build my relationships one client at a time, one phone call, one email at a time, um, and trying to be as personable as possible without being personal. You know, you don't need to know my deep, dark secrets or my political or religious affiliations. But, you know, maybe the fact that I um, am producing a comic book that may keep me, may keep me top of mind with certain you know, uh, voice seekers who may yeah. also be comic book fans, for example. So, um, promotion has a, is a bad word. Marketing is a bad word. Brand, these are all quote unquote bad, bad words, but they are, and I don't want to say necessary evils. They are necessary because you want people to know that you're alive and you are doing voiceover work yep. and you're doing a great job at voiceover work. So they should consider hiring you for voiceover work as well. So it's, yes, you want to have as large a contact database as possible of as many voice seekers as possible that would be likely or prone to uh, want your services or need your services either now or somewhere down the road. But um, you also want to reconcile the, you know, having all these contacts with um, not treating them like cattle or just uh, a cash register that you're trying to pry open. Yeah. Um, So going on from that then, is there... Is there something that defines direct marketing stylistically then? Is that more of personal conversational tone or? Well, the thing is, it's like, how do you define direct marketing? Um, Well, you know, when I say direct marketing is like, if it's in relation to the portals. So an agent, Mm -hmm. if your agent is your portal, you are not direct marketing, direct marketing, using direct marketing to the client or the end client. The agent is doing that for you. Right. So we could say just because we all know that the voiceover industry is just a hand me down industry with made up terms and borrowed technology and equipment (laughs) is that we could say that having an agent is in, you know, acquiring an agent uh, through your direct marketing. And then you then you hope you get work from the end client through indirect marketing because the agent is doing the marketing for you. An online casting site such as Badalgo or VioPlanet or voiceovers.com, that's also, I guess, using these, you know, new new made up terms, that would be a form of indirect marketing because you're, you know, you're building a profile, you're filling it out, you're uploading your demos, putting up your specs and keywords. So the algorithm or whatever, uh, rope, you know, artificial intelligence, whatever is um, trying to match up uh, the voice seekers projects with you as a voice talent, I guess you would consider that indirect marketing. So mm. you are not sending postcards or se- or making cold calls to the people that are using voiceovers.com. You know what I mean? So with everybody else, the producers, the audiobook publishers, and everyone else that is outside of that 
agent portal and outside of that online casting portal, those are people that you are directly marketing to. You are calling them, you are emailing them yeah. um, and trying to establish if you can have a, a, a successful relationship with them. So would you define networking as direct marketing as well? Like Networking a, is absolutely a form yeah. of direct marketing because if you are in a live, or um, Paul Payton, fellow voice talent and friend, likes to call that analog marketing <laughs> as opposed yeah. to an online casting site, which would be considered digital marketing or social media or blogging is digital marketing. Yeah. yeah, so if you're in the same room as a voice seeker and you look them in the eye, shake their hand and have a, a pleasant conversation about you know, voiceovers or, you know, other other topics. Yes, that's absolutely a form of direct marketing. Let's give some practical examples here. Let's say you're wanting to expand your client roster for e-learning or something like that. Mm -hmm. What's a good example of someone reaching out to a potential client, either a production house or maybe direct to client? How, how would they go about that? What's the first step? The first step is research. Do yeah. research on that e-learning company and find out, do they directly cast voice talent themselves or do they use a portal such as a production company or a recording studio? So yeah. because you don't want to, for lack of a term, bother the e-learning company about how do you, you know, I'd like to be considered for a voiceover when they're like, well, we don't do that. The production company that we hire to, pub to create our content does that. Yeah. So do your research first. Google is your friend to find like for in this example the, the e-learning companies and then linkedin is your friend to go there and look for the voice seekers within that company or within whatever production company that they uh use yeah so let's say you find a production company that um has an e-learning company as an end client so now you do your direct marketing so yeah. you can do that a number of ways you could straight up cold call them I hate cold calling with oh, the yeah. burning, fiery, hot passion of a thousand <laughs> dying suns. <laughs> yeah, I hate too. it for so many reasons. Um, yes. But here's the thing now is that if you are cold calling somebody during office hours, by definition, you are interrupting them by saying, yeah. hi, I have a great voice and I want you to give me money. Can we talk about it right now? 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 How about now? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of obnoxious in this day and age. And yeah. people, and the argument is, well, then they get to hear your voice. It's like, yes, but you're also interrupting them. Think about this, Jamie. Uh, you have a phone. Yeah. You get text messages on your phone. Yeah. You get voicemail on your phone. Mm -hmm. You're on Facebook, I know, because we're Facebook friends. So uh, you get notifications from people and you get uh, Facebook messages. You're on Twitter, right? So you get direct messages. You're yeah. on Instagram, so you get Instagram messages. You're on LinkedIn, so you get LinkedIn messages. And how many email addresses do you actively have right now? Jamie? I guess probably five or six. Five or six. Okay. Yeah. So we just listed what? 10, 11, 12 ways that you could be reached out to. Yeah. So imagine every single voice seeker out there, including that one person that you found at that production company that helps produce e-learning content for an e-learning end client. Think about how many inboxes they have. Yeah. And how many times every day a crappy voice talent with their <laughs> crappy demos and their crappy marketing are calling to interrupt their day to tell them how awesome they are and they should start giving them money for talking out loud. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, that makes sense. So yeah. if you are going to interrupt someone's day, make it worth their time and make it worth your time. So yes. if you do decide that you are going to be this narcissistic masochist who's going to interrupt somebody's day because you want money so you can hear the sound of your own voice, <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. You know that. This is how yeah. we all are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, 
Be professional, be brief, and don't talk about yourself. Fine, mm-hmm. just ask one question. Hey, how you doing? I found you on uh, LinkedIn and you, I know you know you work for this particular e-learning company. Um, how do you cast your voice talent? Do you cast them directly or do you use a service of some kind? Yeah. And if they say correct. we cast directly, you say, okay, great. Can I email you my demo? Great. Can I confirm your email address? Okay. Bye. What? 20 seconds? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Be brief. Get to the point and don't talk about yourself. So if you're going to directly market in that way, and this is the reason, Jamie, why the vast majority of voice talents fail, they have no shot at being successful is because they don't know how to get out of their own way. Yeah. They're too obsessed with the me, me, me and using the microphone so I can sound just like this and feel that <laughs> about that, that resonating, resonating, vibrating thing in your chest that makes you feel oh so good about yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, that's how a lot of people think, well, I sound great, so I must be great. Mm, yeah, no, not, not, not really. You know, are you a good storyteller? And, mm. and when it comes to direct marketing, keep the story short. It's a one act play. If that, it may be a pop-up kid's book. That's how short this story <laughs> is. So what's the ratio of calling someone to shooting someone an email? How often do you cold call people? Never. Oh, okay. However, let's say I send out my quarterly newsletter and the uh, and it gets uh, bounced back from a particular client, um, and I'll look at the email address and I'll look, you know, because you always get that undeliverable or whatever yeah. thing. So that's an opportunity to call the place and say, you know, hi, my name's Tom or whatever your name is. You don't use my name; that would be weird. <laughs> um, you know, hi, I just sent a, a newsletter to Sally and it got bounced back. Does Sally still work there? Oh no, she was replaced by George. Oh great, hey, can I talk to George for a second? Sure, hold on, and then you talk to George. Hi, yep. I was, I, I've worked with Sally over the years. I noticed she doesn't work there anymore. Can I keep you on my mailing list? And they'll say yes or no, or hang up on you or whatever. So that's one of the only times that I actually call a company or okay. if there's an actual project going on and I have a question about it, that just, you know, wouldn't be, uh, feasible to talk about on, you know, on an email or something. Sometimes it's easier to just call them, you know, yep. but yeah, that's the only time I actually call a company these days. Right. So when you go in with email, then are you employing the same tactic of keeping it super brief or are you including your bio and companies you've worked for and all that kind of stuff in your first contact? Um, most people don't give a crap about your bio and most people don't give a crap about where else you've worked. They want to know, do you sound right for this project? Can you work fast and can we afford you? Right. Yeah. So that's the pertinent information. And I don't I never talk about rates during it. So so, yes, I keep my emails almost exactly the same as my cold calls. I keep them very, very brief. Uh, Mark Scott, our friend, our marketing uh, guru friend, he always recommends between 50. What is it? 50 and 100 words or 175 and 125 words for your emails. Keep them keep them nice and tight. Right. And also, don't start every sentence with the letter I. Hi, I'm a voice talent. I would like to work with you. I have done this. I have done that. Because it's not about you. It's about establishing an equal synergistic relationship with them. So make sure that your correspondences reflect that. So you've touched on a few negative things there. So so what are things specifically to avoid then in these in these introductory emails? Well, the big one is the big one is avoiding making it all about yourself. The other mm-hmm. big one is just rambling on and on and on and on about, well, you know, I like to I speak Greek and I like to play the violin. Okay, that's <laughs> great, but what the hell does that have to do with the task at hand, which is trying to see if we can have an uh, a, a a successful professional relationship? Yeah. So, I mean, the only embellishment I would add would be like um 
oh, hey, how are you doing? I, I, I found you on I found you on LinkedIn. By the way, I saw that Nike spot last week on TV. You guys did a fantastic job. Anyway, yeah, you know, because it demonstrates that you actually have done a little bit of research, and this isn't some template, you know, wide net casting. Yeah. Um, thing because their their inboxes are crammed, overflowing with those kinds of selfish, templatey, you know, narcissistic uh, correspondences. And uh, I've seen things in the past where people have said they've contacted a company and said, "I saw your Nike spot and the voiceover sucked, so I can do a really great job. So you should hire me." I assume that's also a pretty awful tactic for going in. Um. Now, okay, yes, that if you if you frame it phrase it that way, yes. But what I have also seen people do successfully is they'll go to, you know, their YouTube channel or their website and there's this like horrible voiceover on this explainer video. And what they'll do is they'll re-record it and send oh. it and say, this is the this is what the value this is this is a demonstration of the value of a professional voice talent. So listen to my voiceover over your commercial to see how much better it sounds and hoping that it's not their baby that they absolutely love and have nurtured well into being. <laughs> you know or or if it was their niece who's a musical theater major who right. did the voiceover yeah. and bless her heart she may she may you know she may be very talented but she's not a trained voice talent yeah you know and i know this is probably drilling down super super specific here but do you have any suggestions for the subject line um Yes. Um, you, mine usually are like quick question from a voice talent or okay. quick question from an explainer video narrator, quick question from an audiobook narrator. Um, so, um, and some would say that increases the chance of you getting it deleted, but no, the, the more specific you are, um, they may just take that email and slide it into a folder and open it up in three months when they may need a voice talent, you know, yeah. you know, so it's quick question from a voice talent. I say, hi, hey, how are you? Love that Nike spot last week. Here's my quick question. Hope to hear from you soon. Peace out. Right. And I I don't know if this is a good idea, but because I'm a niche voice in America, I'm British, of course. Mm -hmm. Really? You can probably tell. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know. Um, I try and sneak that keyword in there somewhere, either in the subject or the body, so that if they do search in their email British voice, mm -hmm. I'll come up somewhere near the top. If you're a niche, do you think that's a possibly a good idea or i think that's a great idea uh just this just this morning i sent uh, a cold email to an explainer video company in cape town south africa yeah. so i made the subject line quick question from an american explainer narrator perfect yeah brilliant. for exactly the reason you just listed so yes i think that's a great idea okay cool um where do you go then to improve your skills in this if if you'd like to sort of drill down a little bit more Obviously, you're, you teach this kind of stuff, but are there any books you'd recommend or other things out there? Yeah. Um, the one that comes up to mind is The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. Right. It's a book that came out in the 90s, so it's a little, it's a little dated, um, but the principles are, are great. So that one I always recommend. You know, it's got great things like, you know, um, try to be the first in a category. Or if, you know, mm. if, 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 you know, if, if, uh, if they're McDonald's, you know, make Burger King not about being being McDonald's, make it about being Burger King or being the anti the anti McDonald's or stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, and they're good. thinking about, you know, breaking the law of extent of extension, which is, you know, in the in voice towns do this all the time, is they try to market themselves in five, six, seven different genres at the same time when they're starting out. And all that all that does is just make them crappy at five or six or seven genres i always recommend get really good at one get good training a good demo 
um, and a sound marketing strategy and build a revenue stream in that one genre. And then you can take the profit from that genre and use it to fund your training and demos and marketing in the next genre and then the next genre. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the thing. People cast too wide of a net with genres and they cast too wide of a net with voice seekers and they cast too wide of a net with auditioning for everything under the sun. And none of those serve, serve you. Yeah. That's brilliant advice. Okay. And one final question before we get to audience questions, what response rate should you expect from sending out a hundred emails? Is there a standard response or if you don't get any, should you start to question the quality of your emails or phone right. calls or, or is it random? Well, my smarky, my snarky answer is expect no responses. Um, right. Realistically, I mean, in advertising, they say if you can get a two to six percent response rate with with your advertisements, advertisements, whether it's radio, TV, print, or online, then you're doing you're doing pretty good. I would like to think that those numbers should be a little bit higher because you know if you put out a, if you if you know if it's the Super Bowl and you paid five million dollars for that thirty second spot and it's being seen by what 50, 60, 70, 100 million people, how many of them are are want to buy a, a car right now? You yeah. know, so it's great exposure, but and obviously these, you know, ha, you know, Honda or Bud Light or, you know, whatever, think that it's worth dropping five million dollars on this the one thirty second spot because of the size of the audience. But honestly, that's kind of a 20th century model. It's kind of out. It's a kind of an outdated model. So my point is that if you're a voice talent and you've done your research, the odds of you um, getting a. a feedback or not feedback, but getting a response from a voice seeker should be a heck of a lot higher than two to 6%. Yeah. I mean, 10%, 20%. I mean, it's really, it's really hard. And if you are continually getting no response, then you need to look at the verbiage of your email. Um, you need to look at your demo. Yeah. Um, you need to look at your website. You need to look at your branding and try to figure out, you know, where's the hole? Where's the problem in this? You know, it's like um, the Christmas tree lights are, you know, you got to find that one bulb yep. that's burnt out or else the whole thing won't light. Well, that's a terrible analogy, but I think it's, I think it works. No, I'm, I, it makes sense. All right. So now let's move on to audience questions. So I'm just going to go down the line in order of when these came in. So uh, let's start with Shonda Hogan. Is it ever appropriate to reach out to a company multiple times if you haven't gotten a response? Uh, the short answer is no, because uh, then you're just kind of stalking them. Um, I mean, if they didn't open the email, it's for a possibly number of reasons. One, they never got it. Hmm. It made their way into their spam filter and they just didn't get it. So you can follow up maybe once. Um, I mean, that may be the one time to do a cold call. Um, and say, oh, I sent an email to, you know, to Jerry a couple weeks ago. I'm just making sure it didn't get in a spam filter. Even then, that sounds a little needy. I wouldn't be crazy about doing that. Um, but if you feel yeah. compelled to do that, if this is a company that you really want to work with, great. Sometimes they will see your email, see your subject line and go, nope, and just delete it for yeah. whatever reason, which is they work with a pay-to-play site, they work with agents, they don't do voiceovers anymore. That's not his department, and he just didn't feel like forwarding it. There are dozens of reasons why they didn't. I I would, I mean, like right now with my current, you know, rotation of, of solicitations, um, fortunately with my CRM, I can see if they open the email. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Is it worth using a product like a CRM or a MailChimp or something just so you can see that? 
Absolutely. I think it's yeah. a, I think it's a fantastic idea um, because also it's tracking, you know, the bounce rate and, you know, not only if they open the email, but if they clicked links within the email. So like it's one thing for them to open the email. It's another one for them to click on the link that takes you takes them to your website. So if you can get that data, that's great. So, you know, I use a close C-L-O-Z-E as my uh, CRM. It's fantastic um, because it it does a lot of amazing things, but one of the great things it does is that it synchronizes with your email server. Hmm. So every time I uh, send an email, it tracks it and it puts it in my sent box in Gmail and in Outlook, hmm. as well as it tracks it within the relationship with that uh, individual company or person. And it lets me know if they opened it, when they opened it, and how many times they opened it. So if a client or a potential client opened the email but didn't respond and then, you know, that three months comes around and it's time to reach out again, yeah, I'll, I'll send a, a follow-up email. But it's never, oh, did you get my email? Do you have any voiceovers <laughs> for me? Um, no, don't do that, guys. It's just awful. The only time you should be contacting a company again when it's just time to circle around is to demonstrate progress. Yeah. Progress in the context of here's a new demo for the genre of voiceover that you are casting. Here is the latest link to a YouTube video that demonstrates a voiceover that I did in the genre that you are are doing. Yeah. I mean, you can also, I mean, it's also not a bad idea if you're able to come up with good engaging content. Like, for example, I got married in January. Mm. So Congratulations. the latest... Thank you. So the latest round of emails that I've been doing with all of my potential current and past clients is subject line. You know, it was a quick check in from Tom Deere. And then it's, hey, I got married. And there's a this wonderful picture of me in Vegas with my wife <laughs> and saying, oh, we had such a great time. You know, hey, by the way, I'm not dead. I still do voiceovers. Hope we get to work together soon. That, that particular round of emails has had a very, very high response rate. And sometimes they just write back, congratulations. And that's it. That's fine. That's all I need. That means I know that they opened the email, email, they read the content, they responded positively. I am top of mind, which is the goal. And sometimes uh, I'll get an email and it'll reply to a marketing email I've sent like in 2013 or something. They'll be like, oh, hey, I, I'm just looking for a British guy. I'm uh, just following up on this email that was from five years ago. I think my record ago. is 10 years. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's I crazy. Think. Yeah. And, you know, they they keep this stuff on file. That's a nice thing about, you know, email and stuff. They just drag it into a folder. I mean, there's probably a bunch of voice seekers out there that have a folder in their email server that just, that says British voice talent with a subfolder male and female. And there your email is sitting there, you know, yeah. hibernating, waiting to be awoken, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so you, you don't be too desperate to get a response and everything you put out in the world may, you know, something may come back to you at some random point in the future. So right. don't be too Here's eager. the other point about that, Jamie, is that the same applies to auditions. Yeah. Um, the casting process ex is extraordinarily random and weird. You could be the best voice talent that gives the best audition for that project, but you don't get it because you remind the casting director of her ex-boyfriend. Yeah. And then two weeks later, you audition for something and you get the gig because you reminded the casting director of her ex-boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and or whatever weird reason the end, the casting director or the end client has for not hiring you. But a good audition is a good audition. Talent is, is you know, uh, well-applied talent is well-applied talent. I was about to say talent is talent. It's not. Talent is the minimum requirement to have a chance of being successful. Talent will get you, will not get you anywhere in the voiceover industry. You know, right. being able to tell a good story and find the author's truth, that is what will get you 
success. So you could do a good audition and you may not get that gig, but I've had that happen a few times over my career. Well, they'll email, say a few months ago, you auditioned for this project. The end client didn't pick you, but I liked your work and I've got this project for you. And then you get cast. That happens. Yeah. Happened to me too. Good. Okay. Uh, Becky Steinmetz wants to know, and this is written from a first-person perspective, so imagine I'm Becky when I read this. I'll try. Who is is the best person to contact at these types of companies? What's their job title? Do they really want to read an email about how I can help them, or do they just want a short email with my demo so they can file it away in their bank of voice talents? Um, well, that's a, that's a pretty general question because yeah. it'll, it'll depend because if, you know, there's so many different types of genres out there. So I can't speak to whichever one that she had in mind, but I will say, uh, producer, artistic director, creative director, director, um, if it's e-learning like test developer or assessment specialist, you know, Mm. production manager, just, you know, use Google and just come up right, you know, type in the genre and then type in a bunch of different variations of the job title and do it on LinkedIn too, and see what, see what you come up with. The second part of the question, um, what was the second part of the question? Uh, job title. And do they really want to read an email about how I can help them or just want a short email with a demo? Basically you covered that a little bit earlier, but, uh, you can do both. There's no reason why you can't do both. You know, they don't need your history. They don't want your history right now. They want it, you know, if, if they do want you to email them, they want to know, can you record from home? Do you have demos and samples that they can listen to, or they can send their end clients to listen to? And do you charge a reasonable rate? Mm -hmm. I would never list a rate sheet or give or, or, or put money in a, in a, in any email except for, okay, how much would you charge for this particular project? Because as yep. you well know, Jamie, there are many, many, many factors that determine what the rate for any voiceover project should be. Yeah. So if you just want to write, I'm competitively priced. I mean, I don't even bother with that. No, it just seems no. like a schlocky selling point. Yeah. It's not you know like you're I mean? selling cars or a product, really. It's Exactly. It's and you know more... what? Let's get to the money part. If you think I'm right for a certain voiceover project that you have, then we can talk about the money. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Jody Krangle. What are their biggest pain points? What do they want or need help with besides voiceover? Now, that's interesting because she goes on to say, I'm interested in what sort of information they like to read just in general. If, for instance, I'm making a social media post to reach them, what interests them? Same for a possible newsletter. That's a great question. Well, we know Jody; She's wonderful. Yeah. She always asks wonderful yes. questions. Uh, all right. So let's try to break this down. Pain points for voice seekers are good talent fast talent and well and properly priced talent that fits within their budget those are pretty much the three the three big ones yeah um if you can and you should be able to deliver the goods on all three of those to be able to have a working relationship with any client Mm -hmm. so i think those are the major pain points i think it's a lot simpler than a lot of people realize just put yourself in their shoes if i'm at work in a production company and i have e-learning clients um, well, I will say this for a lot of the production companies and recording studios that work with e-learning clients, there's a set rate, take it or leave it. If you don't like it, you can just not work with them. Mm. Uh, that happens a lot. Um, they have a, f- a set per finished minute rate, or they have a set per hour studio rate. Um, so, you know, for, for that, for that, and for audiobooks, you know, there isn't much wiggle room. You know, the standard is the union standard, which is like 250 per finished 
hour. So you want to try to get that rate plus whatever you need to cover your production, because most of the time audiobook narrators are self-recording these days. Mm -hmm. So 300 per finished hour is a good is a good rate that can uh, pay your bills and cover your overhead of recording and editing and mastering and proofing and all that other stuff. Uh, what else was in that question? That was a wonderful. The second part was about content in newsletters and stuff like that. You ah, mentioned okay. earlier a little bit about personal stuff and success things. Any any other ideas? Well, when it comes to your social media and uh, your newsletters and your blogs, your content should always flow from your branding. What kind yeah. of brand have you established? Um, Jody is a very, very talented Canadian voice talent with a fantastic singing voice. Yeah. So, um, when you are engaging people through newsletters or blogs or social media, you usually want to use the 80, 20 rule, which is like 80% engagement, 20% promotion. Um, so yeah. Jody as a very talented singer, uh, could, and probably should, uh, she's piece of cake voiceovers, I think is hers also. Yeah. Um, see, she's I always got... think of the cake logo when I think of exactly, her exactly. <laughs> I want to just take a big bite out of that pink icing it looks wonderful or is it pink with red icing i don't know but it looks delicious there's definitely some pink in there right so if you're a great singer like jody and you've got this great branding like piece of cake voiceovers i mean those are two great ways to engage um yeah. to use that 80 20 rule so you can talk about singing or you could talk about your next singing gig or you can include a video of her singing and that's just yeah. fun stuff um, for engagement purposes. Now, piece of cake voiceovers. I don't know. I don't know if she does this, but what I would do is I would include cake recipes or here's my, here's my slight, you know, here's my, uh, slice of slice of advice with Jody Krangle, <laughs> you know, and give some kind of tip. What I put in my newsletter is something that is always there to help the voice seeker, not just, Oh, I'm so wonderful. And these are all the wonderful things I did. Aren't I wonderful? Um, <laughs> I always talk about things like, you know, here's some suggestions about retake policies, or here's what voice talents feel about scratch tracks, or oh, let's idea. talk about yeah. watermarking, you know, all the things that come up all the time with voice talents and voice seekers and, you know, what you can do to ensure successful, smooth project management as an effective voiceover business. One of the most important skill sets you need to have is effective project management. And when yeah. I send out these newsletters with this kind of content, I am saying, you know, implicitly that if you work with me, it will be smooth. There will be open lines of communication. There will be no weird, bad surprises. I will right. work fast. I will give you what you need in an, in a timely manner. So the more that you can make it, make it about them and the less you can make it about you, because look, everyone knows what's going on. You've got a good voice or you think you've got a good voice and you want money and they are voice seekers and they need people with good voices that they are willing to give money to. We all know what's going on here. So you don't need yeah. to be embarrassed or apologetic about it. You know, yeah. it's also remember, this is a B2B relationship. You are not a, a, a nine to five sniveling, apologetic, starving artist. Okay. This is not American Idol. This is not a chorus <laughs> line. This is not God. I hope I get it. <laughs> this is you, the business, trying to establish a relationship with another business, B2B. Yeah. You're in a B2B industry and you need to comport yourself that way or else yeah, you really won't have much of a shot. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing to remember. A lot of people forget that just because they're working at home and they're PJs and oh God, <laughs> you know, I hate they're behind that. their home. That drives me yeah. so nuts. Okay. Yeah. Anyone who started to use a selling point of do it in your bunny slippers. I want to kick him in the chins. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, because that implies that you can be lazy and still do yeah. this, or you can stuff envelopes. It just—it's just nonsense. Wow, boy, did I make the—I uh, made the sound spike on that one. Sorry about that. Apologies <laughs> for clipping, guys. But that—that that really infuriates me, yeah. um, because we are professionals. Okay, yeah. you're supposed to get up, shower, get dressed, have a have you know have a good breakfast, sit at your desk, and start working. Okay, yeah. and it's harder. It's harder than putting on the tie or pant or business business suit and going to the cubicle because nobody's responsible for your career except you. You write your yeah. own job description. You set your own deadlines. It's exponentially more difficult to work on your own than in a structured environment where they tell you when to show up, when to get home, what your job description is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Off the soft soapbox. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, I love it. That's that's absolutely right. <laughs> okay, so Cheryl Holling, she wants to know, do they generally dislike attachments or are they interested in hearing or seeing your recent work, i.e. a radio or TV spot? Do you like attachments in your emails from someone you don't know, Jamie? <sighs> Not generally. It depends on the size of the attachment as well. <laughs> well, it's the size of the attachment or the fact that there's an attachment at all. So many yeah. um, bits of phishing or malware or virus um, are emails that have attachments. And yeah. from someone you don't know. So I would say absolutely positively never send an email with an attachment to a voice seeker unless they explicitly ask you for it. You include a link to your website or a link to your demos. Okay. And make them downloadable. Yes. Y yes. Thank you, Jamie. Your de <laughs> demos should, must be downloadable. They must, you may, they must be able to download the demo and spots within the demo. That's why I always recommend Bob Merkel's voice Sam, because mm. you can download the individual spots and they also know, and since this is all about direct marketing, let's, let's jump on direct marketing for a second. Let's say you're doing that e-learning campaign example that we used at the beginning and you have an yeah. e-learning demo sample and you've got five spots on it. And, um, one and spot number three is academic for um, grade school, K through 12. And you're trying yeah. to solicit companies that, uh, or production companies or recording studios that work with e learning and clients that produce K through 12 content. So you come up with a marketing campaign, and the CTA or call to action, which is another thing all of you should know, is to mm -hmm. get people to go to that website and listen to that spot. And you put together your marketing campaign, and let's say it runs for the month of June. And you run it for a month with postcards, with emails, with blogs, with newsletters, with swag, with networking at, you know, DevLearn or another e-learning event. And then you look at the end of the month and you go to your website and you use Google Analytics or use Bob Merkel's VoiceZam and you see how many times did voice, did voice seekers go to that page of your website? How many times did they listen to that e-learning demo? How many times did they download that demo or that particular spot on that demo? This yeah. is critical, Jamie, because if you are a voiceover business and you've got this machine that is your voiceover business, you need to figure out what are you going to put in the machine, turn the crank and see what comes out on the other side and why. So that's yeah. like a really strong, solid example of how you can use direct marketing to your advantage and see what the results were of that effort. That's excellent. Okay. Uh, Abby Getty, she wants to know what to say in cold emails when you're just starting out. She has a okay, so she has a great demo, but she doesn't have a list of clients yet. I'm assuming that's not too much of a barrier when you're starting. No, not at all. And Abby is actually one of my was one of my students, and she's wonderful. Oh, great. She uh, we we put together a great e learning demo for her. Cultivating lists, building lists of potential clients. Um, there's a lot of schools of thought about it. 
Um, there are services out there where you can pay for lists. I, I think she's referring to the fact that she isn't hugely experienced. Oh, okay. No, that's a, that's, that's a good point. Okay. Here's the thing about that. There is a difference between you can be experienced and not be professional. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. be professional and not be experienced. Absolutely. You can have you cannot be experienced but still have value. Mm-hmm. For example, Abby is a very smart person. Um, she's got a great voice. We we put together a very good demo for her that really showcases her talent. Along with that talent is value. That's the difference between an aspiring voice talent and a successful voice talent is what value do you provide? Now, yeah. as a, a, a voice talent of value, you can build a rate sheet using SAG-AFTRA or GVAA or other rate sheets to come up with a competitive rates that are commensurate with the industry standard. You don't need to be an experienced voice talent to do that. Um, you don't need to be an experienced voice talent to build a free website on a great service like Wix and have your downloadable demos up there. You don't need to be experienced to come up with a short paragraph saying what you are, who you are as a voiceover business and what value you provide, which is you are trained and you can yep. turn around the project in a timely fashion. You have the right equipment and you can charge good competitive rates. You don't need to be experienced to have that value. You don't need experience to show up on time at the recording studio. Yeah. You don't need experience yep. to be a good listener instead of trying to sound just this way, to listen <laughs> to them, okay? You don't need to be experienced to understand that your job is to realize the author's truth. Yeah. Now, yes, obviously there's a correlation between experience and more success and more money because, you know, the more experienced you are, the more su- likely you're going to be successful. You know, I've done thousands of voiceovers over the past 20 plus years, so I can look at a script and go, okay, I know exactly what I need to do with this. And I'm able to ABC every single line and they're like over the moon and a two hour recording session actually took 20 minutes and I saved them time and I saved them money. Nobody can expect to be able to do that right out of the gate. That requires experience. But all the other things that I just listed don't require experience. Absolutely. And you can have value. And that's the most important thing. Are you a voice talent of value, not just a voice talent of talent? And as it relates to reaching out to clients, simply going in with that mindset and that self-belief or confidence really helps with them feeling confident in your ability to perform the job. Right. If you're underconfident or or if you're too groveling, it, it's not professional. You know, we touched on this earlier, you know, and it doesn't fill them with confidence that you'll be able to execute. Right. You do not have to characterize yourself as an inexperienced voice talent to a voice seeker. Yeah. You don't, yeah. You, there's absolutely no reason to do that. That benefits nobody. Yeah. So don't do it. Hi, I'm an e-learning narrator. I'd like to submit my demo. Okay. Abby can say that. I can say yeah. that. And I've been doing it for 20 years longer, but we can both say the exact same thing. And it's true. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'd like to get to two more questions if you have the time. Absolutely. Okay. Jimmy Lee. What are the best methods to reach the appropriate contacts these days? Is it social media, a physical letter, which could be unique these days, or is an email or phone call the better route? Well, once again, it depends on the genre that of voiceover that you're doing. It depends on your location. Are you in New York, LA, Chicago, or in another smaller market city? 
and what, and again, and I say this all the time, it depends on your branding. The yeah. verbiage that you should be using to comport yourself on social media or in a newsletter or in a blog or in a social media post should flow directly from the brand that you have established. Now, right. branding is a whole other, that's a whole other interview we could have, Jamie, as, as I know you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so do your homework, develop your brand, and then your brand will kind of tell you what to say. It will already inform you on how to phrase things. And right. what is the, what's the quality of your engagement content and what's the quality of your promotion content? It will tell you what you need to do and say. Okay. Yeah. Brilliant. And so the, the idea of a physical letter, is, is, that, is that interesting enough to, to differentiate yourself or is that just so antiquated that it, you can't click a, a link and go straight to a demo? It's, so, it's quite old well, school, but is, could in that the abstract, potentially... In the abstract, it's kind of, it's kind of retro. I, I, I kind of like it. It sounds appealing. Um, but I guess you could put a QR right. code on it. Yeah. If you want to put a QR code and they scan it with their phone. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, QR codes are kind of passe. Yeah, so you're no, taking an old technology combining with an older technology <laughs> to do something different. I mean, you know what? How much would that cost you? Yeah. It, I mean, like, let's say 50, 100, let's say it cost 100 bucks to come up with the postage and the stationery and the QR code. It costs 100 bucks to do all of that. And you send it out to 50 voice seekers. And yeah. you get one hit and you book one voiceover that paid you $300. Yeah, yeah. I'd say right. it would be worth it. Again. If it flows out of your branding, I think it's a great idea, you know, because yeah. if you're if you're trying to promote yourself as a 21st century, you know, uh, voice talent that does very specific kind of, you know, new stuff, you know, I only talk about the latest invent, you know, I, I'm perfect for the voiceover to promote your latest invention. Now, you don't send them a physical letter. However, yeah. if you have a middle-aged or, or more of a senior sound and your audience is that older demographic, um, maybe, maybe you're trying to reach out to some pharmaceutical companies and you make it look like a doctor's, uh, like a doctor's prescription and you put the QR code on the, on the, the old, you know, the old stock, like blue prescription yeah. pad. Sure. That's a great idea. They'll have a giggle with that. Maybe that'll go up on the, on the cork board in the lunchroom. Yeah. You know? So yeah, you know, there's nothing wrong with experimenting. Just have a point when you're doing it, make it make sense, make it align with your brand. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Okay, let's. There are a few other questions, but I think they've been answered earlier in this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to butcher this person's name. I'm so sorry. Kesang Marstrand wants to know what is the minimum amount of research you should do in advance? What is the ideal amount? And how much should you mention about what you like or resonate with, et cetera? I assume this means in the context of when you're direct marketing and sending an yeah. email or a phone yeah, call or so. a postcard or something to a client. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I was, my, my gut was to say, you can't do too much research on a client, but you actually can. I mean, you want to reconcile doing research on a client with how much time you have and what, what's the pertinent information that you need? Well, you need to find out, does this company cast voiceovers in the genre that you're, that you want to get cast in? What is the name and job title of the person who is your point of contact for casting voiceovers in the genre that you want to get cast in. And um, I mean, and make sure you have their email address. I mean, you don't need too much 
more than that, really. I mean, like I said, that bonus material is, you know, hey, I saw that Nike spot you 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 guys produced on TV last week. It was great. You know, again, mm-hmm. that demonstrates that you you did a little bit of homework on them. So that's always a good idea. But again, keep it keep it brief. And you don't want to seem like a stalker. That too. <laughs> Yeah, I liked your pajamas that you were wearing last night. Oh, my. <laughs> we'll leave that there. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> okay, well, what a, what an ending. Yeah, <laughs> what right. Finish that <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, I really appreciate you spending all that time going into that, because I know it's kind of a, an awkward subject, because it's, it's broad, and it's even the, even the fact that we're talking about just one little area of the marketing world, it can be applied so broadly. So I think you did a fantastic job of breaking that down for us so where do people find you online if they want to get in touch online they can find me at vostrategist.com i encourage all of you to book a free 15-minute consult with me at vostrategist.com slash book dash me um, you can also find me at various networking events, seminars, and conferences, such as in September, I will be oh. appearing at uh, Jamie's Vocation Conference, uh, September 13th, 14th, and 15th here in New York City. And as it turns out, I will be talking in even more detail about direct marketing. And there are also going to be another huge pile of amazingly talented um presenters there who are going to talk about the, uh, everything you need to know about the business and marketing aspects of the voiceover industry. Wow. I didn't bargain on you promoting that in your sign-off. That was brilliant. So thanks. For well, that. that's direct marketing for me, Jamie, because I'm going to be there. In action. In action. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thanks, Tom. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This was great. Thank you to this week's guests. Thanks also to JMC Demos and IPDTL who sponsor the show. Thanks to Backstage Magazine and a special shout out to Patreon super member Angus McLeod. We'll see you again next time.